Philadelphia. My name is Dave DiRio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who are never lined up in the neutral zone. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Time is yours. <laughs> oh, oh, a double dip there. And mm. I I was predicting like two guys that always go to overtime. I had that in my back pocket. I thought that's what you're going to go with that. Um, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And my name is Gene Zilek. You can find me at Producer Gene. And uh, I think Andy Reid ended up having a, a timeout at the end of the uh, regu- uh, at the end of the game here tonight, oh which God. is such a weird thing. Well, here it is. We got your Super Bowl Fifty Three matchup: the St. Louis Rams against the new no, the Los Angeles Rams against the New England Patriots. Wow, crazy games today, though, right? Insane games. Both went to overtime. And this is only, I think, in the Super Bowl era, the second AFC championship game to go to overtime. The other one being uh, Cleveland and Denver, I think I heard them say. Right. Definitely the first time that they've both gone to overtime on the same Yeah, that was, the same day. If you had the odds on that, I think you would have made a, a mint. Yeah. But let's start with the early game. Rams at Saints. Uh, as an Eagles fan, what we're pulling for the Rams in this one, right? I don't know. I I was kind of pulling for the Saints because it was a, a battle of what do I hate more? And I really can't stand golf. I'm tired of the cult of McVay. I feel like that team is not ready for prime time. And, you know, I kind of always want to feel like I lost to the team that ended up winning the whole thing. And I felt like the team that had the best shot to do that was the Saints. So I was kind of, I mean, I, I hate a lot of things about the Saints too, but I do like Drew Brees. So you were rooting for the Saints, Gene. Chuck, where where were you at today? Where was your emotional? I I started off rooting for the Saints, but then ended up turning around to myself because I I didn't like the the Rams going to L.A. You know, like St. Louis loses their team again, like through no fault of the market, and they go to L.A. and nobody follows them, and now they're gonna go to the Super Bowl, and I didn't like that. And I thought, like, I can't believe this happened to St. Louis. You know, again, they've lost another team. But then I realized I don't like St. Louis. <laughs> like, I don't like the the city because of the Cardinals. And then I was like, why do I care that they lost their football team? <laughs> it is a little so, strange that St. Louis had the St. Louis Cardinals and the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, that is like kind of weird. And the baseball team were both named the Cardinals. I mean, I guess New York had the Giants and the Giants. But, but the Cardinals didn't even start in St. Louis. I think they started in Boston. That's or, right. I thought they started in Chicago. Was, do we care enough to get open no. Wikipedia? Okay. No. However, <laughs> but the point let, is they didn't start in St. Louis. Yeah, let's just put it this way. If you have in a city, if you have two teams name the same thing, you're basically prepare yourself for one of them to leave town and relocate. And if you're baseball heaven, according to Scott Rowland, it's not going to be the the team that uses bats and balls. All right. So um, hello, all of our listeners in St. Louis. Uh, continue your countdown until pitchers and catchers report because you don't have a football team anymore. And and God bless you as baseball fans. Oh, you're the perfect baseball fans. You know, don't boo. Don't throw batteries. Don't puke on undercover cops. Uh, good for you, St. Louis. They call soda pop out there. I thought everything I was did. Coke out there. 
Oh, is it one of those? Like things? Coke Sprite, oh. Sprite, Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a Southern thing. I thought that was like specific to Georgia. All of that is dumb. So they should all figure out what <laughs> what to call things on a menu. And I just like to show, we show off how worldly we are. <laughs> like you get all, if you're not directly on 95 between DC and Boston, <laughs> we have no idea what's happening to you. Uh, severe East Coast bias on on yes. Potadelphia here, obviously, Obvi- obviously. Um, so, all right. Well, I went in. Uh, I think you don't want to have you don't want to have Golf have the one up on Wentz, uh, right? No. So that's a thing. But then on the other side of the ball, you know, you don't want smug ass Sean Payton over there seeing any kind of success either. So yeah, it really was a real Sophie's choice watching this game, uh, but I was I ended up ultimately pulling for the Rams, um, so that you know worked out great for me. But I think the turning point in the game was the no no call for pass interference. Yeah, that was clearly pass interference. It was I think as Chuck said, it was a textbook case of like the video that you show when teaching referees how to call pass interference. Yeah, fixes in. I mean, if I was a if I was a New Orleans Saints fan, I mean, I haven't gone on Saints Twitter yet. <laughs> I like yet being the operative word. If you do go on it, you have to make I, sure it's you how re- I decompress after we do this podcast. As I go look at some like team that's in misery's Twitter feeds. If you do end up reading some of them, make sure in your head you're doing the Cajun accent. <laughs> Who that? <laughs> Who that beat them Saints? Yeah, but that was that was hard. I I don't know what pass interference is this year. I don't know what a reception is this year. And from the start of the season, it felt like okay, we're getting more ticky tack um, penalties being called, you know, due to the concussion lawsuit or whatever. But there were more the the referees seemed more aggressive, and when these obvious interference penalties specifically get missed i don't get it i don't get it like you want to drive up scoring you want people to remain safe why err on the side of not calling it i would almost think maybe they had a thought process that said we're gonna we're gonna let the players decide this game on the field which is great like i love that stance um, but when something is like really egregious, you absolutely need to make the call because it's only right. Um, yeah. So Greg, the leg Zerline, fifty-seven yards to send you to, uh, to send your team to the Super Bowl. That that's something to put on a resume. Yeah, I would say after uh, after our kicker and Cody Parkey, Greg the leg Zerline is my favorite kicker in the NFL. <laughs> Just because of Greg the leg. It's up there. <laughs> what is it about? Well, I, I think I just sort of answered my own question, so I'll change it to a statement. Man, does postseason make kickers into celebrities? Like, nobody cares yeah. about a, a kicker outside of their own throughout the, all of the regular season. And then, you know, the postseason comes around, and now we all know who Adam Vedentary is. You know, now he gets to do commercials. You know, it's the postseason really shows the importance of this position that's so often, you know, made fun of or belittled, but really 
you know, can have a, as much impact on the game as a, a quarterback. You know, when it comes down to, okay, one person can win this game for you, and it's the kicker. And that's, sure. that's pretty odd. Who was uh, wide left, wide left? Um, Greg uh, Norwood? That Norwood? Yeah. yeah. Scott? Scott Norwood, yeah. Scott Norwood? Yeah, I mean, like, I would have no recollection of who that dude was from my childhood if that didn't happen. So sometimes you can get um, infamy as well as celebrity. Well, I feel like in Chicago, Cardi- Cody Parkey has a much different impression left on that fan base than ours. <laughs> <laughs> Good old double doink. Hashtag love Parkey. So uh, Rams are going into the Super Bowl. Nuts. Nuts. But I was really looking forward to the late game. This was my uh, – that was just the appetizer, but I really wanted to sink my teeth into a, an Andy Reid thing. Like real bad on making a food analogy with this <laughs> transition, but I, was, I really wanted to make it happen. <laughs> I, yeah, it's I, – I was looking forward to the, the second game more. I was more invested in the second game. And I don't hate the Patriots. I know that's a, a crazy take to have. I well, don't get hate the, the Patriots. fuck off this podcast. <laughs> you don't hate the Patriots. I don't. I don't. I, I, I like the Boston teams. I have a lot of family and friends in Boston, New England, you know, that area. But I, I was rooting against the Patriots. I wanted to see Andy Reid beat him. I wanted to see revenge for Super Bowl 39 and... You know, I, I wanted to see something new, but I don't know when the, the Patriots go on and win it again, the the championship game, not the Super Bowl we're not there yet. But yeah. when they win it again, it's just sort of like you just can't help but be impressed. And both teams that went up early. Uh... The well, Saints wait, in the first game. The Saints, right. the Saints the went Patriots up. went up early in this game, right? Yeah, they went up, what, 14 nothing, I think. Right. And then the the Saints went up early in their game, too, right? Correct. Um, <clears throat> But I got to say, in neither case did I feel like the games were out of reach at any point. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like – I felt like Kansas City started way too slow. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's like a rabid Chiefs fan, and he was just, like, despondent by the end of the end of the first half and I said just hang on this team we've seen it enough scores fast and scores in bunches so I wouldn't count anybody out yet well I think they have the th- the thought over there that Mahomes is just can just do whatever he wants like if he wants to score a touchdown on this drive he can and sometimes it feels that way but I mean you're the guys on the other team gets paid too right <laughs> I mean, but it was kind of almost to a certain point, like once we got into the second half, he kind of did kind of move the ball at will. It certainly felt like it. And credit to that running back, though, because he looked pretty sharp, too. Yeah. So the come here's the here's what I knew it was over. I knew it was over when the all right, who was up? So the Chiefs were up by four and the Patriots were driving. Yeah, because they gave them the ball back with, like, what, 155 on the clock? Just yeah. under two minutes? and they're down in the red zone, and Brady throws the interception. And you're like, I can't believe it. It's over. Like, you did it. Congratulations, Andy. You're going back to the Super Bowl. Hold on. Wait a second. 
the dumbest, most easily avoidable <laughs> penalty of all time just yeah. gets called lined up in the neutral zone. Yeah. How does this happen? I mean, you're there. You're looking at the ball, right? I mean, that's the thing, right? You're looking at the ball to see when it's snapped. Yeah, that's the one penalty that I never understand how that ever gets called. Like, that's the one thing that if you're a defender, like, you absolutely have to avoid. I don't know how you possibly get, especially when it's, like, lined up in the neutral zone. Like, I don't understand. Like, I could see how it gets called in high school, but how it gets called in the NFL is beyond me. Yeah, so the turnover gets negated, and you just know, hey, the uh, they're going to go score a touchdown here. And absolutely, they, they do it. The other thing was the Edelman punt, which got called a turnover, but replay showed that he or maybe didn't show that he didn't touch it. Right. I think they got that call right ultimately, but I think so too. I feel like that was the right call in a in a in a day filled with some calls that were questionable, especially with penalties. Yeah. So is I saw this thrown around Twitter a lot, but is officiating in the NFL the worst? Of the four sports, is it the worst? Like, I I don't really know. I would say it's, I, I find the most inconsistent in-game. You know, Dave, you had mentioned earlier, it's like, oh, we don't want to call that pass interference, just let the players decide the game. That feels like something that happens in baseball and hockey where, you know, baseball, it's like, okay, What's the strike zone today? You know, is it a tight strike zone? You know, what's this guy calling? And you, you know, pretty quickly in the game, you know what type of game you're playing in. And the same with hockey, where it's like, okay, they're calling it, t- it they're calling it tight. You know, you know what you can get away with, you know what you can't pretty early on, or, or they're letting them play. In football, it's the times where I, I don't feel like you know what sort of game you're getting. You know, oh, they're letting them play, and then all of a sudden, there's a really minor hold, and they call it. I love, I love this question. I, I love this 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 topic. Um, and I'm probably going to take an unpopular opinion here and say I actually like the inconsistencies, particularly in baseball, and um, a little bit, a little bit in hockey too. Um, I just like the fact that it's like, all right, you know, clean slate, new game here. And now I have to figure this out all over again. And there's those little nuance things where the catcher doesn't want to argue too much because you know when he's batting, because he wants to get the calls on the other side. And, um, I love all that politicking that goes on that gives one of the great things about baseball is it's not just the game. There's all this subtext that goes on underneath of it. And then when you get over a course of 162 game season um, and, you know, these guys come to town and they like rotate through over and over again. And, and you know, you, you, you know, you work the system a little bit. So I, lo- I love that aspect of baseball, but I by no means want that in football whatsoever. It just doesn't belong there. I, I can understand that. And I, I like it in baseball and I'm fine with it in hockey. You know, when you'll hear the refs mic'd up sometimes, you'll hear them say, it's like, hey, you do that again, I'm going to have to call you. Meaning that he recognized there was a penalty on the previous play. But they're they're like game managers going like, hey, I'm going to let these two teams play. And they're telling them that they're letting them play. 
or they're telling them, hey, we're going to start cracking down, you know, cut out the bullshit. And I think it's I think it's great. I enjoy it. Yeah, I don't know how it would translate to football. I think for football, it just feels like the most inconsistent in game. I don't know if the refs get the the calls wrong more often than other sports, but just the most inconsistent, like in-game play to play i think the the problem with football is especially like at that high of a level it's so fast and there are probably infractions to a certain degree on every play in the game so it's that balance of do i call every single penalty because we're going to be here for six or seven hours the game will have no flow and nobody's going to want to watch it or do we try to balance the you know, what is a, a, a major penalty versus what is something that can, we can get away with. And I think that if you're not, you wouldn't be doing your job as, a, as certainly an offensive and defensive line coach. If you weren't teaching these players how to get away with as much as possible. So I think that what you're, what you're going to see is, you know, that's why there's penalties on every play because they're literally coached to take everything right to the line and not get it called. And there are going to be also situations, especially when you're talking about line play, where you, you know you may have to make that hold. You know, you know that's the best that's the best play. Same thing in the secondary. You, you might have to make that pass interference. So there's a certain amount of you know that that goes on in the NFL. But like you were saying, and I think this also goes for the NBA. Of the those two sports, you really want to try and keep the structure of the game intact. I think with with baseball and, and with hockey, to a certain degree, all of those decisions there's a little bit more subtlety to it, maybe, or or you know, or at least a little more give. Uh, but with football and basketball, uh, because you're you can you can basically have so much impact on the game. I mean, hockey to a certain degree, you can give each other you know give power plays, but. I just feel like th- with baseball, there is so much subtlety and, and the things with the strike zone. I, I really am worried about the overregulation of baseball. That's that's the one place I don't want to see a ton of like video replay. I've never been really in favor of doing that sort of thing. I want to keep the human element of the game intact because if they just put a, 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 a some sort of like electronic box that became the strike zone. I feel like you would a, a guy like Greg Maddox might not have be a Hall of Famer because that's a guy that made his money throwing balls away from the strike zone. You know, what I mean, like he didn't he didn't throw a, a, as many strikes as as other players. So I don't want to I, I want to see how guys you know still work work a, an umpire and so that's kind of my take on the whole thing. And, and I completely agree with you on the human element in baseball and the most the most common like retort to that is like oh so you like seeing mistakes you know you like seeing errors but i i don't know the when it's bad it's really bad but when i don't know there's just something romantic about baseball it's the the very long season it's games every day it's going what's the strike zone look like tonight this guy calls a tight strike zone this guy calls a loose strike zone you know, you want him to be consistent with himself, but it, it's just sort of, I don't know, baseball is the game that feels like the most of, you're not that far off from the pros if you go down to the, the local field uh, with a bat and a, and a couple balls. You know, the baseball feels like like a game. It, it doesn't, 
you know, yeah, we have replays. Yeah, we have everything else. But to me, baseball just feels pure. It just feels like it hasn't, isn't too far removed from the, the roots of the game. So I don't want the computer calling balls and strikes and, and everything. I mean, I'll just come out and say it because I don't know about I may be more romantic about baseball than anybody. Uh, I, yes, I am okay with there being mistakes. Do I like to see mistakes? No, but I recognize that it's humans and it happens. And the beautiful thing about when it happens, then the manager gets to come out and argue with the umpire. <laughs> and that is – so we're losing that. Yeah, we're instead, losing it. Instead of we're what we have it. With replay and we're losing it with Gabe Kapler. <laughs> what we have now is we have we have guys going to the phones and trying to decide whether or not they want to make the umpire look at it again. There's 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 so few of those umpire manager clashes now in the major league that you're right. I feel like the game's lost something with that. Yeah, I I think replay in baseball should be just for home runs, if that fair or foul, fan interference, and then anything else. I don't want replay in baseball. I don't so, want replay baseball for home runs either, but it's it just seems too important not to have. But uh, the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl again. Oh, that's right. We were talking about uh, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to bring up about this game. Now, who's who has the Super Bowl this year? Atlanta. Uh, what what network? Oh, I think it's. I think, I think it's, it's CBS. Yeah, I think that's right. So does that mean Tony Romo is going to do the Super Bowl? I think it does, yes. I We have to check on that, but I know it's not NBC because NBC had it last year, and I don't think it's Fox. So, yeah, I think you might be right that it is CBS. Tony Romo calling a game may, gives me such joy. It feels like a little kid is super excited about a game but is also some sort of savant. <laughs> Um, it's just he it, like he gets so excited, but he's so knowledgeable, and he gets me excited, and I'm already excited. The thing that's amazing about him is he he gives you a, that that taste of what it would feel like to kind of like be a quarterback, and, and I mean I've watched, listened to former quarterbacks call football games my whole life, and I have never experienced. I've listened to Troy Aikman, I've listened to Terry Bradshaw, I've listened to. Um, Len Dawson, these are all guys that were quarterbacks, and none of them do that thing that Tony Romo has has really made his brand with is he will call the play before it happens, and he's right so often, especially with guys like Tom Brady. Uh, it makes you kind of really appreciate the difference between the good quarterbacks and the great quarterbacks because he was able to kind of talk you through like when he would call those audibles and 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 what Brady saw and he was doing this all like pre-snap and almost in real time the same way Brady was doing it he would tell you oh he sees a linebacker move here he's gonna that's why he's giving the kill sign he's this is a run play and it's gonna go to the right instead of the left now and every flip in time he was exactly right and the, and it would and it would split the defense and some people knock him for this this is the whole like Romo Damas and all that stuff about predicting plays before they happen but when he get 
So he's learning how to calibrate it and not just say, this is what the play is going to be, but give you those indicators. And I love it when he gets into, okay, all right, there's like a one safety set. Now watch it. If the safety slides in, this is he's going to try to make this happen. But if he doesn't, he's going to try to go here. And I absolutely eat that stuff up. I thought I think it's awesome. He's like sitting with your most knowledgeable like football friend, like you're on the couch go and like the guy's nudging you in the ribs going, watch this. See, he moved there and now this is going to be the play. And he's right more times than he's, he's not. And that you, you mentioned still learning. He's new at this still. And you, you feel that energy. You feel him. He, for as much as he's predicting the game, he doesn't come off as a know-it-all. You know, he comes off as just a knowledgeable guy. They plopped in there and just can't help but share his enthusiasm. And it is going to be on CBS. So we are getting Tony Romo. Nice. So here's my <laughs> question to you guys. You're at the bar, right? You're at PJ Wheelhands and Tony Romo. You spot Tony Romo sitting by himself at the bar. Are you buying him a beer? Yes. I, I would I would I would happily sit down and talk football with him, talk anything with him. Um and him being a Dallas quarterback doesn't come into play because he didn't win anything and had some ah. cool, and some pretty memorable uh flubs, uh especially of you know holding a, a, a field goal. <laughs> uh <laughs> um I was in a bar for that. I remember watching them just howling with laughter. I was in a bowling alley um, with it for that <laughs> I love that I was, meme I love that meme with like Tony Romo's uh face photoshopped in like some sort of like baker or something <laughs> and it says like the turnovers are ready and it's like him <laughs> holding like a tray of uh, pastries Gene what about you are you buying Romo a beer I don't know if I You're buy the biggest Dallas hater here I don't so. know that I buy him a beer but I think if if he's having a beer I might go over and say like Hi, nice to meet you. I like listening to you call a game. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no way I could actually spend money supporting a like a cowboy. Like, I just <laughs> like there's a there's a line that I just can't cross. You know what I mean? Uh, but you, I uh, but I would I, I have to say like so much you, with when you talk about these sorts of things, it's just let's rip on the on the broadcaster. You know who's not the we don't rip on Merrill. We don't rip on Harry Callis, but. Um, you know the local guy kind of gets the the pass, but national guys you're constantly ripping yeah. on. Oh yeah. Um, and Romo doesn't necessarily have a particular have a tendency to show a particular bias that I, I picked up. Sometimes you know Joe Buck or, or Aikman will get ripped because they have a tendency to just get on somebody's jock, a team's jock, and follow. And and what's right. his name? Collingsworth is the absolute worst about that. Like, he just yeah. gets on some teams or some players' jock, and it's like, oh, God, stop it. You're, you're making me want to hurl. But Romo... You're right. Sometimes it could. It, it was at first. It was a little annoying because he was. It was almost like too inside baseball. It was like it just to a certain degree. I also want the story of the game, and that's what I think he's found. And I really, he is absolutely as far as national guys go, my favorite to listen to. And I'm always excited that I've got the Romo game because it actually I feel like adds something to the game that you don't get with other other broadcasts. But we just need to switch up his partner, though. I mean, Jim Nance. Yeah. No, it makes it sound like golf. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say the, uh, one last thought on Romo is 
I think his newness helps. I think I, I worry that okay. you know when years go by, he's going to get you know a, a bit more smug. But I will to... say though, I wasn't like, yes, Troy Aikman's in the booth now. I can't wait to hear this dude call a game. <laughs> well, Never that, ever. Well, no, he's he's like, and this is a bad comparison, but he's like Pierre Maguire of. Tony Romo and Pierre Maguire both are like overflowing with information and just can't wait to get on there and share it. Except Romo's actually has to do with the play that's happening on the field. Whereas Pierre Maguire is like some guy's biography. You know, I I would say Romo talks too much, but every commentator does. I would love for somebody to let the game breathe a little more, but that hasn't happened in 20 years. So long story short, that's Vin Scully. Does someone let a game breathe? <laughs> um, all right. Uh, way too early Super Bowl predictions, guys. Uh, Boy, Chuck, I'm... you're looking really uh, pained by that question. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting it, nor did I put any thought into it, but I'm going to well, give a prediction. I said way too early. You have the reservation. You have the right to change this in a future episode. I am not. All right. I'm going to say Patriots over Rams. Um, you know, <sighs> And final score is 28 to 16. Gene. It's hard not to go with my gut here and say Patriots over Rams. Um, And I don't, I don't want, this is one of those cases where it's like, can we, can it end in a tie? Uh, A a loss, loss tie. Um, Let's ask McNabb. I think McNabb would know if this game could end in a time. Uh, did we go to undertime? Is there such a thing? Um, <laughs> but I, I, unlike Chuck, I think this is going to be kind of a... I have a feeling that there's not going to be a lot of defense played in this game. So I feel like it's going to be like a 42-28. But I feel like it's not going to be... I feel like it's by halftime we're going to feel like it's not a game. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. Patriots... Uh the Rams just did not look that impressive to me in New Orleans. And New Orleans didn't, in fact, look very impressive to me today. Uh, So I'm also going to take the Patriots for right now. And, I mean, this Super Bowl really for me is going to be like taco dip versus buffalo chicken dip. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Uh, It sucks because there was the potential to have, like, a real honest-to-God rooting interest that's not the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And that's what pains me, is we got so close to really— There is nothing that drives me more nuts than having apathetic Super Bowls. Like, I could not have cared less when it was Baltimore versus the 49ers. Like, there was absolutely nothing about that game that gave me any— hype the best part about that was the was the blackout you know what i mean when the lights went out for like <laughs> half an hour that was that was my highlight of that super bowl it's the only thing i remember uh so i, I hate when that happens i hate when it when it gets to to this point in the season and you know the storyline is again like can i root for somebody to beat the patriots and ever since we won and beat the patriots to a certain degree i almost root for the patriots to win so that what nick Foles did <laughs> gets a little bit more shine like he you know because i hated when it was only eli that was able to slay the um <laughs> slay tom brady like that made yeah. me so mad so now that nick Foles also has that on his resume so it's more like the nfc east had his number um i'm all about that so i i, I you know there's some part of me that also hopes that 
that this will be Belichick and Brady going off into the sunset and we can just stop with all of this nonsense and the next generation can finally start to ascend and maybe it can be the the Peterson and Wentz generation in the NFL. Yeah. Maroon 5 halftime show. Yeah. There's so much good music in Atlanta too. Like, why Maroon 5? We're just going to let that one linger there, Chief. No one has an answer for you. Super Bowl 53, everybody. Well, that's the thing is the Super Bowl, uh, you know, not to get too into it, but you usually you pay the NFL to perform. Like, they don't pay you. That's true. Uh, Let's shift to the Sixers. What's going on, Sixers? Um, Chuck leans back in his chair. I love that. Uh, (laughs) Hey, uh, if you're listening to this on Monday when the show releases, uh, no, this is the last day for all-star voting. Um, So we're trying to get three players Three players into the All-Star game. So I just T- want to give a quick update on where we're at with that. TJ McConnell. No. <laughs> Shake Milton. Um, Furkan Korkmaz. All right. So Joel Embiid it has the third most votes in the East. So mortal lock for Embiid, right? Yeah. Um, Jimmy Butler has the fifth most votes in the East. Feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Ben has the fourth uh, the he's fourth in backcourt players in the East. So does that mean he's like close? Like who's ahead of him? No, uh, I don't know who's ahead of him. I mean, we could probably sit here and speculate who's ahead of him, but um, I don't think that would get him in because it's also it's it's like fifty percent fan voting and then twenty five percent coaches and press and then twenty five percent player voting. Um, so that's how. That's how that works out, but, but he could I make the. Know. I would feel like if you bring if you get Ben Simmons because they do like a schoolyard pick now for the NBA, don't they? Yeah, yeah. If somebody gets can pick him, you could have him play power forward for Christ's sake. Wait, is that how they do that now? Do I think that is how yeah, they do it. Because it was LeBron versus Curry or something last yeah. year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because then you can have teammates against each other in the All Star game. So this would be the first year the Sixers have three All-Stars since, I'll do this for you, Chuck, the 86-87 season. Can you guys name those players, those three All-Stars? I'll probably give you Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley is, in fact, one. Good job, Chuck. Was Rick Mahorn on that team? I'm sorry? Was Rick Mahorn on that team? I don't know if he was, but he was not an All-Star. He's not an All-Star. Oh man, uh, Doctor J. Dr. Still, J. I was gonna say, on? is Doctor J still Good in the job, lead at that Chuck. point? Doctor J is correct. <laughs> I'll carry me, Gene. You are. Who would be the if other you guy? Just think like G Love, seventy six, six five twenty five. Pardon. <laughs> Run the whole lyrics. <laughs> Give us another hint, Dave. Um, I don't know. I, I thought I did. Big shots. Yes. And... <laughs> Big shots from <laughs> Mo Cheeks. Yes. Good job, Chuck. You got all three of them. Mo Cheeks. You could have told us bad, uh, bad national anthem. I, could, well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need you guessing that Roseanne Barr was. Uh... <laughs> was she Barr at that time? Probably. Uh, or Arnold. I'm not sure. Anyway, so that's what's going on with the Sixers in the uh, the All Star. Now they're in the middle of this. 
I guess we're calling it the gauntlet. Yeah. This 12-game stretch against uh, playoff teams or teams with winning records. Teams with winning records, yeah. Teams they had been feasting records. for a while on some pretty bad teams. Yeah, uh, which is like how they finished the game with or finished the season with 21 wins last year because it's just a lot of bad teams in the NBA. And when you get to that late in the season, the bad teams have all been picked through. And ugh, just to think of the the tank era Sixers, how how some of the lineups we were fielding at the end of the year. Yeah, so I mean, you're looking at teams like the Knicks and stuff, and it's just not even. It's just not even fair. So we're one and one so far on this stretch, and the loss um, is freaking brutal. Yeah, the Thunder are our daddies. Yeah, what? Like, how? How many times have we lost to them consecutively? Nineteen. Have we ever beaten them? I don't know. Like nineteen, because <laughs> we only play them twice a year. That's going back, like. Well into, like, Iverson territory, I think. Yeah, when did they leave Seattle? Yeah, because I'm guessing that they're, they're, they must be, if it's 19 in a row, like, they've got to be talking about the franchise, not just in Oklahoma City. Because that's almost 10 yeah, years. Yeah, they play them twice a year. Yeah, that's 10 years. Um, And I'm loving this Westbrook versus Embiid rivalry. Who doesn't Embiid have a feud with? That's what, that's what it comes down to. Well, it's this weird thing. It's like, how do people, how do people take Joel Embiid? And some people take him okay, and then some people are not happy. Like, they're not comfortable with the way Embiid conducts himself. And Westbrook is one of the people that does not like how Embiid conducts himself. Oh, yeah, definitely not. So did you hear the post-game comments from Westbrook no. after this game? No, I didn't hear so I guess it was late in the game. Westbrook um, made a steal, and he was going towards the basket, and Embiid was the defender, and he kind of, um, like, fell on Westbrook, like, after the play. And they asked uh, Russell Westbrook about it after after the game, and he said that – I'm paraphrasing now, but he basically said that, yeah, well, Embiid – he put a little extra into it. Like, he leaned into it a little right. extra, I could tell. But, you know, whatever, that's fine. And the reporter asked him, so are you guys cool? And uh, I can give you the exact quote uh, Westbrook said was, fuck no. (laughs) So and then then they asked Embiid about it. And Embiid said something like, I don't know, he like plays inside his head or something like he's like an emotional player or something like that. I have to get the quote. But well, I feel like that's those players are who Embiid can really affect because I feel like Draymond Drummond is uh, is kind of the same way, and I feel like that guy wakes up in the middle of the night screaming about nightmares from Joel Embiid. Like that, I have never seen a guy so in another player's head as 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 that particular uh, combination. So, real quick, this is this is obviously news to me, and when you're describing this, Dave, I, all I'm thinking of this sounds like an unwritten rule, like that happens in hockey. Of like someone doesn't like the nuance of somebody's game, and I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know this happened in the NBA up until the moment you got the players' comments, <laughs> like because yeah. that would never happen in the NHL. In the NHL, it would be, oh yeah, well he he know what he he did out there, and you know, you know, I, I'd like him to play the game a little differently. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm still still going to send him a Christmas card. But right. No, they, let you read. Like... they let you read between the lines out on the out on the ice. So here I have the I have the exact quote. So uh, Westbrook said, I don't think he just landed on me. 
he had a little extra to it, but it's okay. So then the reporter asked if they were cool. He said, fuck no. And then when asked to elaborate, Westbrook only said, go home, bro. Nice. And that's and a team and that's I'm the team that won the game. Beat. That's the team that won the game. Imagine if they lost. So Embiid said, I think I was going for the ball, and I think he lost the ball, but I was already in the air. I don't know why he's mad. I have no idea. He's always playing in his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I love Embiid. Yeah, I know, because he knows exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> and I'm sure that Joel did put a little extra in it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that he did. I'd be mad if he didn't. Exactly. <laughs> but, man, that – that oh gosh, man. When, when, when Butler got that steal and we went up by two at that point – I was like, we're good. And then Paul George hits that yeah. four-pointer. Uh. So let me ask you, because this has been the thing, I guess, weighing on my mind as far as the Sixers go. A lot of chatter about Ben being in position to make, you know, had had a, had a shot there at the end of the game and gave it up to Butler. Yeah. Do you think that that was the right decision? If, if, if you're Ben Simmons, you know, do you think that – the obviously, if if that's a decision you make to a certain degree, Ben was looking to try and see if there was an opening to get the ball to Butler. That his instinct was not naturally, I'm going to get in position, I'm going to take the shot. Is that what you want from Ben Simmons? Do you want him to not have that kind of killer instinct that I want the ball, I want to be able to get myself in position, get my own shot, and win the game? Or do you want him, because he's kind of aware of, I guess to a certain degree, what his strengths are? Uh, I mean, you could hear it described a lot of different ways. That's how I'm going to choose to describe it. Um, And do you want him to try and and find the way to get the ball to the player who's best suited to hit that shot? Well, here we go. I'm going to let the entire NBA community in on a secret that if we need a shot, uh, Brett Brown wants Jimmy Butler to take the shot. There will be no variation on that, um, and the play will be called for Jimmy Butler to take the shot. I, I mean, everybody in the building knows that they, he wants Butler to take that shot. Um, I would love for him to give, you know, we're like, hey, we're going to get a shot. He's going to be open because he is. He's going to be open. Um, just to put that, uh, you know in his toolbox that, you know, all right, I got a buzzer beater here. Like I got a game winner. Uh, I would love to see it. I, and I don't know if he's being the, the coachable player. And like, I do what coach tells me to do. Uh, so I don't know where the, where the line is between Ben and Brett. Cause to, to a certain degree, my, my take on this is this is the kind of situation where, you know, it's a regular season. Yeah, it's important, but to a certain degree in the regular season, and maybe more than any other sport, there it's almost like hockey is, is this way too, and Chuck will back me up on this. There's the regular season intensity, and then there's everything amped till about 11 when you get the playoffs. And I would love to see, like, like you were saying, to have that in his toolbox, to have a situation like that where Ben can be like, I, I'm in the situation, let me see if I can make this shot. So that then you've got that A on tape and B, it you've got the confidence maybe to do it. Because I know I know he's working on that that shot. And and me, because I want to see Ben Simmons succeed. I want him to be a sixer for life. I want him to be uh, you know, 
the top vote getter in the backcourt for the for the Eastern Conference. So I want him to to develop, and I want him to have that sort of game. But I also want the Sixers to win, so I can see where Brett Brown is saying, "Hey, give it to Jimmy." Yeah, yeah but isn't this also the the time to do it? Like, I and this is a real outsider perspective, but. You know, when the Sixers go up against lesser teams, it, it seems to be a completely different style of game than going up against these elite teams, these teams that they're going to have to worry about in the playoffs that, you know, are, you know, a, a good caliber team like themselves. So it, it not that the time to, to get your reps in before the playoffs, like you were saying, Gene? But even, yes, but even more to that, like, Gene, what you were saying, get it on film – this affects future games. So everyone right now focuses on Butler and with a secondary to JJ Redick. Like if they if if Butler's not taking the shot, your next best option is JJ. At least for, as far as Brett Brown's concerned, and historically what he's done with these players, those are the, his two options, and that's the order that he prefers them in. Um, so yeah, if like oh shit, Brett is willing to call play for Ben Simmons. Like now I got to worry about three guys. And and Ben's still young. I mean, he's very early in his career. I mean, if if not now, when? When when are you gonna start, you know, trying to, to get that element into his game? Yeah. Um, so instead of so I, what I wanted to do was get our predictions for this gauntlet and how many games will win, but I don't want to run through uh all of the games. Let's just talk about the games that are coming up this week and then we'll see how we did when we talk again next week. Yeah, I so think the that's game good. The games that we have coming up, so we're one on one so far. The games that we have coming up, we have the Rockets at home tomorrow, uh, the Spurs at home on Wednesday, and Saturday night on the road against the Nuggets. All right, I'll, I'll go first. I'm going to say Rockets is a win, Spurs is a loss, Nuggets is a win. Most okay. of this information is based on late 90s basketball knowledge, but I'm, I'm going to stand by it. Okay, how many points for the Admiral David Robinson going up against Joel Embiid? Uh, I'm going to say zero because okay, he's cool. no longer in the league. All right, I was just and checking. And neither is Tim Duncan? Or is Tim Duncan still around? Hold on. Yes. I thought, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm killing it with my basketball knowledge tonight. Now I'm going right back on mute. <laughs> Gene. Uh, I think I like us against the Rockets at home. I think that the Spurs have our number for some reason, so I feel like that's a loss. Uh, and I like us against the Nuggets, so I, I'm 2-1, and one, but a, a little bit of a different mix. Uh, I like us in all three of these games, actually. Um, I think we're going to come at, come out uh, pretty strong after the loss, and I do. I also like our matchup against the Rockets at home. I think the Spurs, we have some unfinished business with them, and I think getting them at home is going to be good for us. And I think the Nuggets are totally beatable on the road. So I'm going to go 3-0. I hope mm. that you're right. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, the Pacers win was a nice win. It got us into third in the East to start off this gauntlet. So it's a shame we couldn't beat the Thunder. Would have been yeah, nice that would have been a great. That would have been a great good, win. A good. Okay. Hey, let's go. Let's go to the Flyers now because uh, we started to sort of write them off and started asking if they should just lose out for the rest of the year. And what did they do? They went 4 0 oh, and 1. God, I can't <laughs> yeah. figure this team they out. They got points in five straight games. 
I can't figure this team out. Yeah, we got win, wins against the Stars, the Wild, the Bruins, and the Canadians, and we lost against the Devils, who we have uh, overtaken in the standings. We're out of the cellar. We are out of the cellar. We're we're a couple teams out of the cellar. Carter um, Hart has single-handedly clawed no, us out of the cellar. Yes, that's the narrative. Not single-handedly, but he's a huge part of it. Like reliable goaltending and and he's looked good. He is I'm I am loving this. This is such a happy accident that we're so bad that he came up, but this is a, a great rookie season for him. Um also we have three guys who haven't been you know performing as well with uh Simmons and uh JVR and Patrick all coming around as well. Um, they've been showing a lot of improvement lately. Simmons was to be expected. He had that core muscle surgery, I believe, like Giroux and Ghost had. That's like a several-month recovery. So this is about the time we expected him to, to look like his former self, and he's starting to. JVR coming off of injury, and he can be streaky. And then Patrick, well... Patrick was concerning before, but he's looking good now. So, you know, those three players and Hart, and all of a sudden the the Flyers are a fun team to watch again. Hey, here's a question: um, where where does Carter Hart fall in like Rookie of the Year consideration? He's not there yet. Um, if he keeps this up. Like who who is that person right now? Well, right now it's uh Pedersen or Peterson out of Vancouver. Um uh he's a forward, I think he's a winger, um, who's just been on an incredible tear. Um he, he's looked dominant. Outside of that, it's he's just such a slam dunk. I don't even know who the the uh the the competitors are. Right. The I'm blanking on the name of the the young defenseman up in uh Buffalo. Um he was the number one overall pick. I'm just blanking on it. Um, but he uh has had a good season. I would suspect he'd be up there. But it's really Pedersen's to lose. If Hart keeps this up and there's no reason to believe that he won't, I think he can get himself a a a nomination for the the Calder. Uh, which no flyer has ever won, and I don't think he'd win it either. <laughs> I, I think it'd be Pedersen. <laughs> so, but, but I think he'd get the nomination. How did Lindros not win that? Well, a lot of people, it's their rookie year. It's almost the people who come out of the blue and just, just yeah. steal it from them. And I, I don't know who it was in Lindros's year, but you know, Connor McDavid um, nearly didn't win the Calder. Like, you know, Sidney Crosby didn't win the Calder. Right. Ove- Ovechkin won it. It's but weird that a Flyer has never won it. Never won it. It's the Flyers. More proof. Yeah. <laughs> so but, let's see. What do we got? We got the we're playing the Jets tonight at home. With then the Flyers? We, yeah. We don't play anybody for a week. Oh man, that's the whole week. That's not here. this Monday. That's the next Monday. Yeah, we have a bye week followed by the All Star break. So, oh, all right. If you want to kill any momentum, now's the, the time to do it. Go back Great. to our illusion. Anyone going to get healthy? Maybe. 
<laughs> sure. Um, but uh, there, there's a chance Hart may play for the Phantoms in the interim. Just like, to stay warm? Exactly. Just stay Good warm. Idea. The the Phantoms have uh, four games uh, in the course of maybe five days, I think it is. Um, but Stolars is back, so I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Hart down there. Like to go uh, and just have like one game just to stay kind of in rhythm. Exactly. Exactly. And I'd like that. Um, but no, it's going to be a, a hell of a lull. We might be back in the bottom of the league um, due to the the uh, the bye week. Um, so Do, is this a, like a moving time. thing, like, or is the the league on by? No, no, no. It's a, it's a moving thing. This I think it came about when the World Cup did in 2016. The players were like, "Fine, we'll do the World Cup, but we want a week off." And it was essentially for all star players who, okay, everyone else gets the all-star break, but, you know, someone like Claude Giroux, who goes every year, you know, he doesn't get a, a right. mini break in the season. So they they negotiated this. I don't particularly like it. I think it screws with the schedule too much, but but whatever. So we're off for the week. And, I, I mean, just, just to go back, um, since we last talked about the Flyers, Hart has looked great. Like, Sorry, Hart has looked very good. For a rookie coming in at 20 years old, he has looked great. Um, he has given every reason to believe that he's going to stick with the Flyers from here on out, maybe go back to the Phantoms a little early to get in a rhythm for their playoff uh, run because we're not making the playoffs. That's another thing. No matter how good we looked, we have too many. It's just too big of a deficit to overcome. There are too many teams in the way. It's just not going to happen. Um, but, you know, hopefully we dug ourselves a big enough hole that the team can still win, be fun to watch, and we still have good draft odds. That, that's, that's what to root for. And Dave, your boy, uh, Morgan Frost, did you see the thing I sent to you? Uh, yeah. What is there, trade speculation with him? No. Oh. Um, I thought I saw a tweet about a potential trade, uh, us potentially trading Morgan Frost. Oh, well, no, that was like, would you trade him for Tyler Sagan? Okay. Like, I, I saw that going around as just like a, a hypothetical thing. Oh, what did you send me about Morgan Frost? How he great he is? Five goals today. <laughs> one <laughs> game, five today. goals. Two um, even strength, one shorthanded, one power play, one empty net. I mean, what are we doing? Get this kid up here. Well, at this point, it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Um, when his OHL season ends, they they can bring him up to the Phantoms. But it okay. it doesn't make sense. It's very complicated. It has You're to be an emergency recall. Players, what? <laughs> get tired of waiting for these players. Like, just get there. Right? It's like let's get Mickey Moniak up. Come on. Well, that that's actually <laughs> the the last point I want to bring up about the Flyers is it, it's tough to be wait until next year again already like because there's a lot of promise we're an up-and-coming team you know just wait until next year and you know the the off season started early you know we're already eyeing up next season and it's not yet february so that's a, a frustrating thing but it's still true we still should be good soon so all right 
Hey, let's move on to the Phillies because the Phillies made a huge. Oh, wait, nothing happened yet okay. again this week. Um, The only piece of note that I do have. Well, were you guys OK through Winter Storm Harper? Yeah, I mean, I had to go and pick up my trash can because it, it blew down the block. But um, I mean, otherwise, was this was a nothing okay. burger or what? Well, unless, like, everything literally freezes solid tomorrow because it's going to be, like, 8 degrees as the high, I think that we can call this one a bust. I woke up, I thought I was going to be uh, a biblical out there with the rain today, like, all day or at least in the morning. I woke up, it was, like, nothing. Anyway, whatever. So, Winter Storm Harper, just as exciting as Bryce Harper this week, right? Um, I have updated Vegas odds on where Bryce Harper will land, and the Phillies are no longer the odds-on favorite to land Bryce Harper. I mean, is this the fourth or fifth time we flip-flopped on this in this race? Who's yes. now the, who's now leading in that that sweepstakes? Who do you think? Mm, Dodgers. Oh, the Nationals are now the oh. uh, the odds-on favorite at plus one fifty. Philly is at. Plus 175, and the Dodgers are plus 250. Any concerns? If he just ends up going through all of this stuff to stay at the Nationals, then I hated him all this time for for justified <laughs> reasons. I don't know. I don't believe any of it. It's it, There's no news out there, and it, we're just taking little morsels, and people are running with them. It's, you know... It, not to go on another political trope with your nothing burger, but this is, you know, a good bit of hashtag fake news out there. So uh, he's going to sign bigly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think it's time for Chuck's penalty box. Thank you, Dave. All right, so we're going to begin this week with Gene. Uh, Gene, who is in your penalty box? Okay, so in my penalty box, I am going to go with, because this is going to start happening this week, folks, so get prepared. There is nothing that is driving me more crazy in the last couple of years than when they start releasing the Super Bowl commercials early. There is nothing I hate more than hyping Super Bowl commercials and putting them out in the week between the championship games and the Super Bowl. Like, very seriously, there are people, and I have been this person, who watch the Super Bowl to be entertained by the ads. And when you're putting out the best stuff a week early on the internet, I know you spend a lot of money on it. You can run them for three months after they air on the Super Bowl. But I am going to be sick and tired of these crappy morning shows being like, we've got the Doritos ad that's going to air in the Super Bowl. You know, like, you've pretty much completely busted any kind of point of spending the money you're spending on the Super Bowl ad if you're going to release it on Good Morning America a week early. So here's my... All of advertising goes in the penalty box because I know it's going to happen again this year. It's inevitable, but it really annoys me. Amen, Gene. Amen. I could not agree with you more. Um, it, it, I thought of it uh, in our Super Bowl conversation before the, uh, but I completely agree with you. So, uh, advertising is getting uh, a ten-minute game misconduct and the 
boot. You're out of the game uh, for not knowing the magic you had with Super Bowl ads. You've ruined it, advertising. You've ruined it. Dave, get that whistle up. Thank you. Dave, who is in your penalty box? This week, I'm putting Colin Cowherd in my penalty box. Uh this guy, I mean, you're familiar with Colin, ha- Colin Cowherd, radio uh, host. I think he's on Fox now. Uh, notorious Philly hater. Severe West Coast bias uh, from Colin Cowherd. Uh, I remember last NBA season, he basically uh, told me as a Philly fan to get to the back of the plane uh, because we're about to move out of first class after the uh, Eagles won the Super Bowl and the Sixers made it to the second round of the playoffs. The dude just always trashes the birds. And this week, this dude has the gall, the gall to go on the air and say how he respected the Eagles performance in New Orleans. And he wouldn't sell stock on the Eagles just yet. You know what? Like, I don't need this kind of crap. Like, at least with Skip Bayless, he's unapologetically a Cowboy fan. If you're an Eagle hater, just be an Eagle hater. Like, I don't care. I don't need your grab for ratings and just your phony, empty compliments towards my team. Colin Coward is going in my penalty box. All right, Colin Coward and the whole of the herd are going into the penalty box. They're getting a double minor. Two minutes for hypocrisy and two minutes for easy to disprove easy to prove hypocrisy (laughs) we have the tapes colin we have the tapes and in my penalty box is going the pro bowl the absolute worst all-star game in sports everyone knows it everyone admits it but no steps are being done to change it do something you know, we, we talked about the NBA um, All-Star Game and that sort of, you know, schoolyard pick that, you know, I think they took from the NHL, but they changed it up. The NHL has their three-on-three tournament. Baseball is the best All-Star Game. No need to, to mess with it. But the Pro Bowl has been a joke forever, and they have the stage to themselves from a football perspective. Do something. Do something different. And you have the answer. You have the answer in something that you you used to do. It went to 2007. It was the NFL quarterback challenge. I loved it every summer. If you're not familiar with it, well, I pity you. But what it is, it was a quarterback skills challenge. Randall Cunningham Cunningham won two years in a row (laughs) where they had like uh, uh, footballs like with blue uh, pool chalk on them. And these targets that move across the field, it was remarkable. It was endlessly entertaining. Do that in Hawaii. You know, get these guys some drinks in their hands, throwing footballs, bring in the kickers. You know, I don't know, have running backs do something fancy. I don't care. Just have it be fun. Have it be watchable. You have the stage to yourself. This is such a wasted opportunity. I I 100% agree with you on that, Chuck. And I will... I will take it up one more notch. Make it a players put up their own money skins competition to add an extra element to it. I would to- that that would be more compelling than a bad Super Bowl. Now that the ads don't mean anything, you can you can you know see them all ahead of time. I would watch that 
100% over a bad Super Bowl. So the NFL and their Pro Bowl, you're going in the penalty box. Um, you're getting a five-minute major for missed opportunity. Five-minute major for a missed opportunity. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. So uh, please remember to... Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to Potadelphia on iTunes. Also, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Potadelphia. And uh, and have a great day at work, everybody. We'll see you next week. Oh, where well, we're going to do the Eagles eulogy. We're going to eulogize the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles season next week. So um, you don't want to miss that. So check us out next week. Have a great day at work, everybody. Bye.